Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Big yeah. shout out to the production crew. I'm loving the intro for us, honestly. Is there an echo in here? Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> Sports talk, talk, talk. Okay. So, wait. Well, we're going to start off this hour with a math lesson. <laughs> okay. So, this is something I've heard a lot. and I know Sports we, we have, talk to math talk. And we have Chuck on the line. We're going to get to him. He wants to talk about losing coaches and whatnot. And I get it. Um, I want to, like, I'm, I'm done saying 15 and 38. Like, I feel like that is like a, a disingenuous argument to be made about, like, what Dennis Allen has done to this point and what he can continue to do going forward. I get it. He sucked with the Raiders. The Raiders sucked. It was bad. But, like, if if all we're going to talk about is 15 and 38, like, let's do the math here. If he goes 10 and 7 next year and the Saints are 25 and 42, that's not right. 25, <laughs> 25 and, 30, and, and 45, are we going to keep saying, oh, oh, we're just 25 and 45, terrible head coach. We just went 10 and 7 and made the playoffs, right? Like, he could go 15 and 2. And you're talking about, oh, yeah, he's only, he's only 30 and 40 as a head coach. Like, well, let's talk about 7 and 10, and then we'll talk about what, what the expectations are and where he needs to go before people can start, like, stop, stop bringing this up. But it's just, like, it's really annoying to me to, keep, to hear, like, 15 and 38. But it's like, yeah, well, his winning percentage as a head coach went up this year. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Like, it's, it's annoying that, like, we're going to pretend the Raiders stuff doesn't matter, but then we're going to constantly use it as a reason why we shouldn't trust him as a head coach. I don't know. I just think that, you know, folks can use whatever statistics they want to support their, you know, their vantage point there. Well, if you wanted to use those three years that Sean Payton went seven and nine as like the, the reason that he shouldn't have been the head coach, you probably could have had an argument then, right? 21 and uh, 27 as a head coach over that three year stretch. That was rough. But like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to look at the bigger picture. I don't know. It, It annoys me to hear 15 and 38 as if like it means something. Want to hear from you, Houdat Nation and sports fans, calling into the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. Appreciative to Chuck B. in Mid-City, who's been hanging on. How you doing this Friday, Chuck B.? Hey, man. Uh, first of all, I guess I would say congratulations to you guys on being in the driver's seat and hosting your Thank show. You. Appreciate that. Um, um, I've been a long-time caller, long-time listener. Um, I've worked in radio. Um you know, and, and uh, there's a lot that I want to say, and I know I need to try to be brief, so I'm going to try to do that. You can say your piece. But, Let's hear it. But you, you, you guys gave me a perfect lead-in <laughs> because even listening to the commercial, right, in terms of the coaches, I mean, the, the, the teams, those owners with big banks, right, 
in the right. commercial said the words were proven commodity. Right? Right. So if we're looking at somebody's body of work, just like you guys are talking about the doggone quarterback position, we could easily go with somebody whose body of work shows that they are a mediocre quarterback. And what's that going to get us? I'm out. I'm always bleed black and gold, but you know what? I'm out. I don't get paid by a salary from the Saints organization. I got other things I can do on Sundays. I'm out. Because now there's a different standard for the who that nation. We're no longer, you know, always fine to just know. I've had season tickets the whole nine, and I realized that these guys get paid. Think about this, right? LeBron James and other, other athletes who have a very, very high IQ for their particular sport. You know what happens? Those players talk amongst themselves in the locker room too. When you have players who feel like they can't really respect the IQ, okay, the sport IQ of the person who's supposed to be leading the team, you get dissension amongst the ranks because I feel like I can do this better than you or at least I can think this better than you. This makes no sense what we're doing. I can't buy in. But Chuck, Chuck, wait, can we, can we, can we, can we, okay, who exactly are we talking about? Like, like, are we talking about Andy Dalton? Are we talking about Dennis Allen? Are we talking about Mickey? Like, who are you referring to when you say this? Okay. Actually, I mean, we could almost check all these boxes because from, James had a great point in terms of the, the, the Saints organization and what they're willing to do or not do mm-hmm. as it relates to the coaching positions and the, and, and, and the players. Now, I understand that's a Mickey Loomis thing in terms of getting the talent here, right? But in terms of the, the, the guys that's leading the ship, Dennis Allen has not been and is not a proven commodity as a head coach. Okay. Okay? The quarterbacks that we have are not proven commodities in their position. I, I, mean, but, I mean, I don't know about that. All, well, look at Pete Carmichael. Aside from Sean Payton, what is his record as an OC? Well, I mean, we have two seasons to go off, right? So that's 2012 and this past season. So. But, 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 you know what I'm saying? It's like, so to me, if he was – first of all, we all know Sean Payton called it. Sean Payton called our plays. Okay. You you had you had somebody who was I don't know a position filler or whatever. That's his friend. That's his boy. To be honest, okay. When Sean Payton was somewhere, it was was somewhere else. Uh, Pete Carmichael, I believe, might have been a defensive coordinator at one point or a quarterback coach. So, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen was at one point a quarterbacks coach, and obviously then a defensive whatever. But he's always been Sean Payton's friend. Okay. So he's gonna ride with his friend. He's gonna take care of his boy. You know, and if you're looking at players, there's only going to be so much buy-in. These guys are young players. They understand the market. I'm almost done. They understand, understand sports, and it's a small window to get your money. Okay, but so what, what are you advocating players, for? That's I guess that's my question because I'm not really yeah, sure. Like, what would so you – A I'm, new coach, new yeah, coordinator, new quarterback? Okay, so, yeah, so I'm advocating for the Saints organization, the front office, okay. to be like – no, there is, a new, there is a standard of winning, and we appreciate what you've done, but we also have to take a step back and realize that our decision to name Dennis Allen as a head coach, the assumption, 
and that was all on on all of us. We all assumed that because we had because we had all these other pieces in place that there was enough glue and enough things in place for us to just go in, plug in a solid heads coach, get a solid quarterback, and we can actually make a run for what mediocrity. We were fooling ourselves to think that we could get to a the the highest level again or deep in the playoffs. To me. That's not reality. Where we are in terms, in terms of head coach, in terms of offensive coordinator, and in terms of the quarterback position, all three of them need to be changed out. If you're going to get high IQ players who are going to go all in to say, I'm going to play hard, I'm going to focus in, and I'm going to support what's coming from the decision makers on top of me because I respect their IQ, and I, res- I respect what they're trying to do. It's hard to get that kind of respect from the bottom up. If, I, if you're not a proven coach, you're not a co- proven commodity in front of me. All right. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about that. And and I, I understand what you're saying, but, like, I mean, I've been in that locker room. I don't, I don't think there's dissension. No, definitely not. And, you know, you got veterans to come here, and granted they were the LSU guys, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, these guys. Um, I mean, I think there's there's a point to be made there in the sense that if they start losing out on free agents, then they're like, you don't want to be there. That's one thing, but I haven't seen that yet. So I think it's fair to question the head coach and whether he should stick stick around. Um, but I don't know. It's not like there are guys lining up with these these great resumes, right? I mean, so it's not like there's a there's a guy that you you fired Dennis out and oh, somebody sitting in the chair right away, you know? I don't know. I think the bitterness is still obviously over Sean yeah. Payton being gone, and I think it's really setting in the fact that he's not coming back. No, he's not. He's not. Um, and I think it's just a matter of okay, what? Where do you go from here? Right? I think you you give you give Dennis Allen this next season. That's what they're going to do. Absolutely. And then you kind of make a determination, and you give. That's why you're keeping Pete Carmichael because you're going to. This is the duo. You're betting on this duo to turn it around. And if they can, great. If they don't. Then you're back to square one, but you at least gave it a gave it a realistic chance. That's we'll be talking more NFL playoffs when we get back from the break here on WWL Sports Talk with Jeff Nowak and Steve Geller here on WWL. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Play clock is down to five. Trips to the right side. Allen out of the gun, looking to throw again. Throws toward the end zone. He's got Gabe Davis along the sidelines. Touchdown, Bills. Boy, oh boy, did Josh Allen drop that on a dime. Steven Jeff's NFL playoff preview coming at you on the Sports Talk Friday edition here on WWL. Welcome in now, Bill's sideline reporter, Sil Capaccio. Sal Capaccio, how is it going this Friday, Sal? And what is the, the vibe in Buffalo right now heading into this big playoff matchup against Cincinnati? It's going well. Thanks for having me. I'd say the vibe is um, maybe nervous anticipation. Okay. Um, you know, people are obviously, you know, thinking back to last week's performance and you know you can't play the way you did last week and expect to win again this week but at the same time I think Bills fans know and uh, they have a really good team here and the team that's only lost three games all year despite numerous mistakes they 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 seem to win yeah the the mistakes are interesting and I think you know there's a line to be drawn between you know Brian Dable and and the Giants and suddenly Daniel Jones his, his turnovers are way down it was a huge issue for him to this point in his career and I think Josh Allen has gone the other direction is there concern over that? I mean, because, you know, I think that's a ship that goes as Josh Allen leads it. He's that good of a player, and he's that type of quarterback. But when the when the quarterbacks turn on the ball over, that changes the equation a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, um, you know, Josh is always kind of he's – he's a risk taker. He's a gunslinger. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's not, like, unbelievably higher in turnovers this year. I think he actually has right around the same interceptions, to be honest with you, if I look back. But um, I think what's happened is they've, they've come a little bit more – in bunches, and he had a stretch of three games in a row where he had two each after he got he hurt his elbows right around that time. And then, you know, last week, and if anybody, you know, doesn't watch the, each game every week, which I understand because they have their own teams, and suddenly they turn on the wild card national television audience, throws two picks and fumbles, then all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's a turnover machine. But fact is he went, like, four straight games without interception not too long ago last month. And, um, look, I, I think at the end of the day, even Sean McDermott said, you don't want to put the handcuffs on a guy like Josh Allen. The, the, if you want Josh Allen to be special because he is, then you're going to have to live with once in a while like that. It's like kind of Brett Favre back in the day, yeah. guys, right? I mean, he, he's he's the reason why you can still be the second highest scoring team in the league. You think about that. Here's a team that turned the ball over 27 times this year, and yet they still scored 28.4 points a game to be second in the NFL. Sal, when you look at this matchup, too, coming, uh, coming to, you know, Buffalo to, on Sunday, the will weather be a factor at all? Are we going to see uh, a chance of flurries in this matchup? Uh, I know it's kind of an earlier game, so it won't, shouldn't be too cold uh, of, a, of a matchup, but I do think that there there's a chance of at least snow for this matchup. Yeah, I think it's going to pretty much be light snow throughout the whole game. Um, nothing is going to accumulate. Okay. Might be at times, might be a little bit of a, a drizzle and a snow. I, that's the worst. I hate that stuff, especially being on the sidelines, you know, having that little uh, wet drizzle and snow. But, 
you know, I mean, it's Buffalo. People are used to it. It's Cincinnati. I think they're used to it. I don't think the weather's going to really play much of an impact in the game. The biggest thing here sometimes is the wind, and we're not yeah. going to really have any wind. Uh, it should be about mid-30. So depending on where it is there, it could be a little bit of rain or snow. But I think more than anything, it might be like almost like a snow globe feel where you watch the game and you just see kind of some light flurries coming down. Yeah, and, and obviously this is also a game. It's a It's a rematch of a game that, didn't happen a few weeks ago, obviously, and not, that was in Cincinnati. This is in Buffalo. Um, you know, how has that kind of come full circle? It, it was a very bizarre, emotional scene. Um, I think it was what week fifteen, week sixteen. I can't recall um, when that game was postponed. And you know, it, it, it's a really kind of unique situation where these teams are playing each other ag- or again after that first quarter that then the game got called off. So what is the kind of mood around this game? Is there any kind of uh, like lingering, I don't know, uh, energy uh, from that first matchup? Yeah, it was week 17, actually. It was okay, uh, yeah. the day after New Year's, so right. it was you know, not too long ago. And um, you know, each team has played two games since then. I was on the field that night. It was pretty emotional, obviously, and you know, going through that situation and everything, everything throughout that week. You know, since then, guys, I think the biggest thing is DeMar Hamlin is doing a lot better. He's home now. He's in Buffalo. He's around his teammates. He's at the facility on a regular basis. Um, you know, he's not practicing or playing or anything like that, but he's not even in team meetings. But he's around. He's saying hi. And I think that's allowed everybody to kind of turn the page a little bit and focus on football. And, and that's been really important for everybody here. Um, I think the biggest thing is these two cities, these two teams will always be intertwined because of what happened on January 2nd in Cincinnati. And honestly, like, give the Bengals and their organization, their city, so much credit. And I think Bills fans and Buffalo in general and the Bills organization was really thankful for the way they handled everything. And I think there was a, a real healthy respect between the two sides going through all that together. And Sean McDermott telling Zach Taylor, you know, I have to be with Damar. I can't coach this game. And Zach's saying he totally understood. And both teams went off the field and they eventually called the game. Um, so there is that, I think that, that um, link between the two, that emotional bond, but make no mistake about it, when they get after it at 3 o'clock on Sunday, it's two teams that are trying to you know, win to get to the AFC Championship. And like I said, it's been a couple of weeks. Both teams have played games. DeMar's doing a lot better. So I think it's more positive energy, to be honest, than anything else, um, You know, because everybody's kind of in a much better spot knowing you can go ahead and you can play football and it's okay. Really surprised on the Buffalo Bills this season, the way they were able to perform just because I feel like just about everyone had them as their AFC favorite heading into the year, uh, being able to pretty much live up to all that, those expectations. What would you say, though, would be the biggest weakness or thing to look for that Cincinnati could exploit in this matchup on Sunday? Well, I think anytime you talk about Cincinnati with any team, it's the receivers, right? I mean, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, for sure. And, you know, the Bills have, at times this year, because of the injury of Micah Hyde, who's been pretty much out for the whole year, and then they lose Von Miller. You know, at times they've given up some some games and some yards and uh, to especially, you know, number one receivers. If you look back, number one receivers earlier on in the season especially hurt the Bills a lot. And that's also because they didn't have Tredavious White now. Hmm. Uh, obviously, a guy you guys know really well down there. Um, they didn't have him for a whole until Thanksgiving because he was recovering from the ACL. Uh, and then when they went to Cincinnati, even though they only played nine minutes, during that nine minutes, the Bengals targeted Tredavious White. They, they challenged him. They went after him the first play of the game deep committed a pass interference, they threw a touchdown on him. But I will tell you guys, I think the last two weeks he's played his best football of the year. Um, And I think if you want to say weakness, it's tough to say weakness of the Bills. I think the Bills have a solid roster up and down. They are the number two scoring defense in the league, right? It's funny. They finished basically Mm -hmm. second in the league in scoring both offense and defense, which is amazing. And they, they have, to me, the best roster in the league. It's arguable. That's fine. But they're certainly up there. So 
So when it comes to weakness, I'm not sure, but I think that it's a super big challenge to go against those receivers, especially um, when you're talking about a guy like Tredavious still coming off the injury, and then opposite him, you have a rookie in Kyer Elam, you have the injury to Micah Hyde. They've done a really good job, but it's always been a thing where they've given up a little bit more this year at times than you want to in the secondary. And then I'll say at times that, you know, I think they'd like to be able to control the ball a little bit more with the run game than they do sometimes. They're actually a better run team than people realize. Even even without Josh Allen, with their running backs, James Cook and Devin Singletary. But I think at times they need to lean on that a little bit more to take some pressure off Josh. You know, Sal, you know, one of the reasons I kind of feel like the the Saints and the the Bills, at least the fan bases, have a little bit in common is these two fan bases just have a thing for close calls and dramatic finishes that that leave you just with your – you know, in the surrender Cobra, like what just happened. Um, and especially, you know, after last year with the way the playoffs ended for the Bills in that crazy game, you know, what would it mean to that fan base, which I, I would argue is one of the top top five fan bases in terms of just energy and, like, craziness, like they jump through tables and stuff. Um, you know, what would it mean to get to the Super Bowl and, and even to win it for that fan base that just feels like they've been they've been dying for this for so long? It's everything. It would be everything. Um you know, it's not just the Bills. We've been through it with even the Buffalo Sabres, our hockey team, which we care about so much. And they've been to a couple of Stanley Cup finals and haven't won. And, you know, they lost in a controversial call in the Stanley Cup finals in 1999. Their Brett Hall's foot was in the crease, and we remember that. No goal is the cry. And then you wide right. And the same year that happened with no goal, you had home run throwback with the Bills against the Tennessee Titans, right, mm-hmm. and knocking them out and all these heartbreaking losses. It would mean everything. But, you know, I think this year is also special in this regard, guys, because we've been through so much in our city. Um, we had, uh, you know, we had a, a racist mass shooting that you're aware of at our supermarket in May, and um, the, the Bills, uh, the team itself, be- became a real big part of the healing process there in the community. And going down, and you know, I'm sitting in my house right now talking to you, and it's literally less than two miles from me where it happened. And mm. you know, I mean, this community, it's, it's it's a smaller town, it's a smaller city, and you know, these guys are a part of our community in a big way. And then, and much like New Orleans and everything you guys went through in Katrina and all of that. You know, we, we, we had the big snowstorm here and over 40 people died uh, back in um, or just about well, a few weeks ago. I mean, people literally froze to death in their cars. They couldn't get to shelter. Um, so, you know, I, I think that what we've gone through here in Buffalo, you had the snow game that was moved and people couldn't get out of their homes and we had to move the game to Detroit because of that. You had the DeMar Hamlin situation. We still have a, an owner that had a um, Kim Pagula who suffered a major health issue, which still no one is actually, actually sure what's going on with her. We haven't heard anything about her or from her wow. in several months. There's been so much here in Buffalo that's gone on that I think that, you know, there's a lot of pressure, if you will, unfortunately, I think, on this team to kind of carry the city and the burden of everything that's happened to kind of lift everybody up. Um, but, you know, we're strong, much like you guys, and we'll get through it either way. But I think it means more this year than any other year. Bill Sideline reporter and host on WGR 550 AM in Buffalo, Sal Capaccio. It's a fun name to say. Appreciate your time, my man. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Sal. Steve Yeller and Jeff Nowak here on a Friday edition of Sports Talk. Gary and Lakeview will be coming back to you after the break. Also wrapping up the NFL playoff talk, which will be all weekend long here on WWL and the Odyssey app. Steve and Jeff coming back after the break here on WWL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Fake a pitch to the right. Purdy back to throw. Upfield wide open. Debo Samuel at the 40. 45-50. Down the sideline. Gets a block. Turns on the burners. He's gone. 10-5. Touchdown 49ers. 74 yards. 
And talking more about those 49ers, co-host of the 415ers Port Podcast on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, Mark Grandi. Mark, what is going on, and can the magical run of Purdy continue? Hey, guys, great to be on with you, and uh, it has been a magical run. You're right about that. I think I think the Niners have a pretty good chance of continuing this at least one more week. Dallas, certainly the best team they've played in a while, probably under Brock Purdy. This is their stiffest challenge, uh, but this team is, is more than just Brock Purdy right now. I mean, I'm sure you guys uh, know about their defense, oh, how yeah. incredible they've been for much of the season. But the offense, guys, the offense has been putting up 30 points week in and week out right. like it's no big deal. So this is a team that's uh, clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, it's funny because the the kind of like the cliche is like, oh, if you don't have the quarterback, you don't have anything, and you can't win without a quarterback, and blah blah blah, and the Saints are in quarterback hell, and and but then you have the Forty ers who are seemingly doing the exact opposite. Whoever's that quarterback, right? right? It's like it doesn't. It could, seems like you could have literally anyone at quarterback, and they would be winning games. And you know how is it? Is it kind of like you could see it coming, where this roster just building and building, and then you add Christian McCaffrey to a backfield that already has Eli Mitchell in it, and then you know how how has this kind of roster to developed in front of your eyes because every position you look at it's like oh yeah they would start on 32 of 32 nfl teams <laughs> yeah you're right they do have a ton of talent across the board and uh, i mean the christian mccaffrey edition is something that obviously it's worked and they they made the right gamble already i mean this is only you know first half a season with him here but this is kind of anti of what they've done in the past they have been unwilling to to make big moves like this to try to go all in to win a Super Bowl. I mean, the biggest move maybe in the Shanahan era in terms of midseason moves was trading for Emmanuel Sanders in the 2019 season, which that was a good acquisition, but nowhere near on the same level as a Christian McCaffrey. You talk about offseason moves. I mean, Trent Williams is probably the biggest one of the Shanahan era, and that's certainly a a big and, and, and meaningful part of any team, a great left tackle. But this has generally been a team that makes their noise by quietly drafting well in rounds three, four, five, and six, and even seven. Now with Brock Purdy, they haven't really been the team that goes out and, and gets the prize free agent that makes the big splash at the trade deadline. Um, but the 49ers this season, they have decided to go all in with Christian McCaffrey. And you're right uh, about the fact that it, it, it kind of seems like it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. And that that's what makes kind of grading or evaluating Brock Purdy difficult because right. the Niners are so good around him that you kind of get the sense that any quarterback in the NFL would look at least halfway decent in this offense. But I don't think you can go all the way down that road because Brock Purdy is certainly doing things that Niner fans haven't seen from their quarterbacks in a long time. I mean, I'm sure you guys watched the game against the Seahawks last weekend, where in the second half the game is basically already out of reach. He scrambles around for like 11 seconds, a couple of pump fakes, a shoulder shimmy. He creates some extra space and throws a dart to the back right corner of the end zone to Brandon Ayuk, who drops Drops it. it. (laughs) I mean, the Niners haven't had anything like that. Even Colin Kaepernick, he was straight-line speed, but not necessarily shifty and elusive and, and making guys miss to extend plays looking to throw. The Niners haven't had someone like that in a really long time, which is what makes Brock pretty exciting. But to what you were saying, uh, still, it, 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 it's, this is certainly one of the easier teams to quarterback because of all the weapons that they do have. 
obviously a pretty impressive run this Niners team has been on. They haven't lost since was it mid October uh, to the Chiefs and have just been on an unbelievable tear. What is something though that? could be a problem in this matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. What's something Dallas does that you see could kind of give these, this Niners squad a little bit of issues? Interestingly, it is defensively for the 49ers on third down. You might not think about this if, if you're just looking at the general numbers, but specifically the, the Niners defense is incredible. Um, you look at their their defensive rank in DVOA, which is defense-adjusted value over average. So essentially, you're taking the team that they're playing against into account. If it's a really good team and you're doing well, that's going to weigh in you know, better and more favorably in, in, your, in your favor. The Niners are top five basically in every DVOA rank in, in, on first downs, second downs, third downs against the run or the pass, except for on third downs, against the pass. They are 23rd in the NFL in DVOA, third downs against the pass. And you look at the Cowboys, they're a top five team at converting third downs this season. So I I do think there's a little bit of a weakness in this 49ers defense for whatever reason on third down, those third and intermediate, third and long situations when opponents are passing, the defense probably knows a pass is coming, but still that is where the defense has lagged behind. So uh, if the Cowboys can get a couple of big third-down conversions, they keep drives going. Maybe they can tire out the defense a little bit. They keep McCaffrey and the offense off the field. That's going to be really important. That's kind of an interesting note that, that I found on my research this week. The Niners actually pretty bad against the pass on third down, and the Cowboys on the flip side are, are very good in that regard. So I think that's a key battle in this game. You know, I hate to open up this can of worms uh, this late, in the in the conversation, but I do have to ask because it's going to be something that everyone talks about. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, one of them is playing in the playoffs right now. One of them looked really kind of sketchy for a couple games earlier this season, and they suffered that obviously uh, difficult injury. You know, where do you go? Like, how do you how do you sit this guy down just to be like, but this guy's the number two pick in the draft? Like, where do you see that situation kind of developing, irrespective of what happens uh, this week? Because you're you're talking about a playoff loss either way if it happens. Uh, so, wh- where do you see this kind of going? It's a good question because you, on one hand, have uh, the guy in Trey Lance who the organization handpicked as, as kind of the savior of the franchise, the guy that they wanted to lead this franchise for years to come, and you invested all this draft capital in him to go and get him. And there's been a lot of drama. Maybe you wanted Mac Jones. doesn't matter. You settled on Trey Lance. That was the guy that you chose. So on one hand, you have all of that. And on the other hand, you have a guy – who would have went undrafted if it wasn't for you, but has suddenly just taken over the the franchise and is leading you to potentially a second playoff win. Uh, I think the the, lar- the longer you go in the postseason, the more likely it is that Brock Purdy is, is your starting quarterback. Uh, the one thing I do know for sure, guys, uh, I mean, I'm maybe not for sure, but I'm fairly confident in this, Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on this roster next year. The Niners will be perfectly fine going into next season with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance as their quarterback room. Maybe they bring in a different veteran to be their third-string guy. Uh, But it's going to be hard for Brock Purdy not to be this team's starting quarterback next year. And that's nothing against Trey Lance. It's just you've seen more from Brock Purdy, which is unfortunate for Trey Lance because I think he could still have a bright future in this league. I know there will be teams calling in the offseason – 
uh, about a potential trade. I'm not so sure the Niners are ready to cut bait just yet. But at the same time, uh, I think Brock Purdy will be the guy at least to start next season. Um, and it's not as if Trey Lance, I mean, he was a, a third overall pick, so he, he has a, a decent you know, salary number. I think it's around $9 million, but it's certainly manageable. And then when you have a guy in Brock Purdy who's making less than a million a year, you can afford to have Trey Lance not be your starter. You're saving so much money at the quarterback position. So I think they'll just go into next season with Brock Purdy as the assumed starter, Trey Lance as the backup and there's been a lot of craziness uh, this year in the Niners quarterback position, so who knows what next year might hold. But I think the Niners will be okay just going into next year with those two guys. And, Mark, well, looking at the fan base right now has to be obviously excited about all the momentum that this 49ers squad has built up. Uh, got to go to the uh, Saints-Niners matchup this season and was really impressed with Levi Stadium, uh, home field advantage there. Uh, the, the, that Niner fan base has really uh, built it up, and it's kind of become one of the more intimidating venues, I feel like. Uh, well, first of all, apologies that uh, you got to go to that game. What was that, 13 <laughs> nothing, right? Yeah, not, not very fun. <laughs> yeah, no, not not a very fun game to watch. Um, I think Niner fans would be happy to hear that that is kind of the uh, what, what Levi Stadium is becoming, at least right. nationally, because it had Niner fans. It, it's not a it's not too popular of a place. I mean, Candlestick was old and it was run down, but so much history there, and the fans absolutely loved it. And Levi Stadium, as I'm sure you guys know, was technically in Santa Clara. So you got to drive what, 35, 40 minutes south of San Francisco to get to a game. Um, it, it hasn't been the most popular place. And, you know, if you're in one half of the field, you're just getting beaten down by the sun all game long. And that was true, too, right? It's not too comfortable. Um, but I will say, I, I do think I agree with you. Lately, you have seen the crowd really get into it more, and it's been more of a, a home field advantage. I think last week against Seattle was the best I've heard it in in its lifetime, in Levi's Stadium lifetime, and I'm sure as these games go along, I mean, you're not going to have to convince Niner fans to get up for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously. That is going to be a huge game. I do think you kind of see the, uh, I don't know, the, uh, the, the recognition of Levi's Stadium growing a little bit as uh, a better environment for football. I, I do think we see that changing. Mark Grande, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck with the Niners on Sunday. Yes, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. More on WWL with Stephen Jeff Sports Talk Friday edition coming back after this on WWL. Stephen Jeff checked in with the NFL playoff host teams to preview Saturday and Sunday's action, which will be available on WWL in the Odyssey app starting 3 o'clock tomorrow Right here, 3.30 kickoff for the Chiefs-Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we got Gary on Lakeview on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. I want to hear from you, 504-260-1870. Still some time to chime in. Gary, what you got for us this Friday? Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on what I'm about to comment on. Uh, I hope you don't throw rocks at me too much, but... <laughs> I think we might be romanticizing a little bit about Sean Payton because I'm looking back on, of course, we don't want to look back, you know, before Sean Payton because there wasn't much to look at. But looking back in 2012, that was a 7-9 and nine season. Mm-hmm. Then in 2014, it was more of the same. Mm-hmm. 
seven and nine, and then I think it was 2017. They went eight and eight. Um, I think not last year. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what it was year before last, but it wasn't anything to write home about. I remember our defense not being able to um, stop anyone. So I just wanted to comment on what y'all thought about that because it it really wasn't always, you know, roses and not lollipops. All right, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Appreciate you, Gary. No, I I, I agree with that. And and I think that's where you're you're looking at 7-10 and this year, right? But we saw back to back to back seven and nine seasons with Sean Payton at the helm, right? Like, and yes, people were not happy then. Like, but yeah, you know, you pulled some levers. Those were the Greenbrier days. Oh boy, yeah. And it was the it was the why is this defense the worst thing I've ever seen days? Right, right exactly. And so, wasting uh, Drew Brees' career. Yeah, and so that final year, you brought in Dennis Allen. You still won seven and nine. You could have overreacted and fired the, the defensive coordinator that year. You didn't. You kind of kept some continuity. And you were able to bounce back, and then the defense kind of took a step forward, took a step forward, and suddenly you were this very consistent winning football team. Um, I do think that it's like you're romanticizing Sean Payton as a head coach, but also you're talking about a very, very good head coach. So, like, it's it's a little bit of both. But I do think that there is a point to be made in, yes, this season didn't go perfectly. Do you pull the rug out from everybody and start fresh? I don't think so. I would have tried to make some changes at offensive coordinator. They decided not to, or at least that's the reports that are out there. I still wouldn't be surprised, and Bobby Abair was talking about this yesterday, if maybe you do make a change and, and maybe Ronald Curry calls the plays or something like that, you know, like keep it kind of kind of shift Pete back to the role that he did so well with Sean Payton, right? So I think that there's something to be said there, and I do think you have to change up something that you're doing on offense. But, like, the defense is where it should be, and now you have to figure out the offense, and it's the inverse of what you had back in those seven and nine years where the offense was right where you wanted and the defense just couldn't get it figured out. So I think that's a, it's, it's, it's true. Like we can pretend that this is like, okay, Sean Payton is gone and there's nothing to do other than fire everybody and start <laughs> fresh. Or you can try to fix the problems that are there and see if you can't turn seven and 10 into 10 and seven and then maybe 11 and six and then maybe 12 and five and get to the playoffs and see how far you can get. Yeah, to me, to me, the whole seven and ten record is is hard to really consider a fireable offense for anybody in year one with it's, the new regime. Well, people will say it's the worst record they've had since two thousand five, <laughs> but I would argue with you that if they played seventeen games back during those seven and nine seasons, you probably would have had a seven and ten season. So technically, this team was seven and nine after sixteen games. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, like, the, I think you saw very similar issues in terms of why you couldn't get over the hump this year. They were just on the opposite side of the ball. Yeah, and. and Seven wins is not total garbage, as unacceptable as it might seem. I I know, you know, the standard here now is playoffs. You want to you want to be in the playoffs, but like I said, getting a seven win season is still decent in the NFL, all things considered, and not to me a fireable offense where you're a three four win team slogging in the bottom of the standings see i don't even look at it as that is like a as like an acceptable season because it's not an acceptable season but it's also not like two and 15 right um at the same time at the same time you can't look at it as like oh yeah seven and ten is good enough right so you have to find ways to get better but if you feel like you can get better then yeah you, you you find ways right you do that that's what you do you don't you don't say well that didn't work let's try something completely different um, and that's kind of where you're at. And I don't know. Like, this was a frustrating year, and I would like to see the offense find ways to innovate, and I would like to see them go after a quarterback. They they did. And the thing is, like, we can pretend that they, they wanted Andy Dalton all along. It's not true. 
they wanted Deshaun Watson, and right. you know that that one, you know, you can make all sorts of comments about for a lot of other reasons, and I get it. But like they were trying to make a splash higher at quarterback. It's not like they didn't want to do that. So I think that's what you're still trying to do is to kind of find that set it and forget it quarterback. And I say that in the best possible of ways <laughs> where it's like you're not spending every week trying to figure out whether this guy's good enough to win. You know he is, and you're just trying to win around him. And uh, I think that's what you're going to try to do again this offseason. And if you can nail it, then yeah, I think you're in the right direction. As we get ready to close things out here, I want to bring Charlie in on this too. Jeff, what is your big upset for tomorrow? Well, for this weekend's games, do you have do you have anybody uh, that you would think is uh, – you know, not considered likely to win that you think will pull it out. Yeah, the Giants are going to win. All right, you, you got this. the Giants over the Eagles. Charlie, Send who are you starting. picking? Giants are a good pick. I'm taking the uh, the Cowboys over the 49ers. I like that pick, too. I, I agree with that. I like Dallas over the 49ers on Sunday. That's going to be my big upset. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me and Jeff and Charlie this Friday on Sports Talk. Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak, we might be back sooner or later on this on this side of things. Uh, I will be talking to you, too, on the Inside Black and Gold podcast yeah, you can hear on the Odyssey app. Steve and Jeff, saying bye here on WWL. Take it away, Jeff. Peace. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.